Well, we've taken just a couple of weeks to uh, put emphasis on an amazing part of, of history, and that is the Reformation. We, uh, we don't really have a strong appreciation for just what the Reformation has, has done for us and, has, and continues to do for us even today. Reformation brought us back to uh, the key parts, uh, the orienting convictions that you find in Scripture. Solo fides, by faith alone. Solo gratia, by grace alone. Solo scriptura, the authority of Scripture. And that's what we're going to camp out today. To look at how crucial it is. Last week we looked at, at the ship of the, of the church. The church as a ship. And we, we talked about how we needed to have uh, an eye, one eye on the North Star. That there's a part of our message that never changes. But we also have to have an eye on the horizon. That, that we need to contextualize. We need to be relevant without compromise. To take a timeless truth and take it into time. Today we're going to be talking about the captain of that ship, the captain. Will Rogers said this, he said, live in such a way that you wouldn't be afraid to sell your family parrot to the town gossip. <laughs> and I'd love to think that if people looked at our lives, if people listened to our family parrots... I'd love to think that they'd hear something different or that they wouldn't hear a bunch of junk they'd hear somewhere else. But sometimes I, I, I look at, at our lifestyle and I look at the statistics. I, I hate to admit it, but, but there are certain social problems that, where the statistics are the same inside the church as outside the church. And, and there are certain ways that we react, even in, in social media, for example. There are certain ways that we, we react professing faith in Christ that, that looks just like everybody else. It begs the question, do our beliefs, does belief really make us better? Does belief really make us better? Well, it does when we not only have the content of the faith, but we also have its conviction. The conviction that there's a captain and it's not me. Let's take a look at uh, Paul's second letter to his protege, Timothy. 2 Timothy 2. Verses 15 through 17. Oh, first Timothy. Paul's first letter to Timothy. I sure hope you've got it right on the screens. All right. Is it second? Oh, it's second Timothy? I was right the first time. Why am I doubting myself? I even have it highlighted in my Bible. It 
Yeah. Just didn't, it didn't look right when I started to read it, and it's been about a week. And how from childhood you've been equated with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, you haven't heard it said that way. You, you probably have heard it said inspired, right? Inspired. God breathed is the more literal. And so in the ESV, it says it very literally. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. In righteousness, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word, finally. <laughs> By the way, let me, uh, let me say a word. When, when you see something like uh, this more wooden, a little bit more wooden translation, when it says man of God, you know that stands for person, right? That, that any person of God, right? It's not about gender, it's about, it's about people, so this applies to all of us. Let's pray, and then let's take a look how it applies. Let's pray together. Father, bless this word today, not only to our minds that we may understand it, but also to our hearts that we may find deep conviction with it and then live it out, head, heart, hands. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a... I love this little story about uh, this, this college student who was in a, a big lecture hall, about 200 people. And at the end of, of the exam, this is the final exam of the class that he was taking, uh, the, the professor said, if you, if you go over time, you fail. So when I say pencils down, pencils down. Well, this student didn't put his pencil down. And he went up to deliver his exam in the big stack there. And, and the professor said, I'm sorry, I, I said pencils down. You took, you took about 10 seconds after that. That's not fair to the rest of the students. And I told you clearly, you fail. He said to, he said to the professor, he said, do you know who I am? And the professor said, no, I don't. And so he lifted up about 50 of the exams, stuck it in the middle of the stack and said, good. <laughs> It took off. <laughs> yeah, you think that's funny, but the, the, the class was on ethics. <laughs> you know, the content alone, the content of our faith is not enough. You can have this whole book memorized, this one, the Bible. But if it's, if it's content without conviction, then it's not going to be enough to bring to you a strong sense of who your captain is. You see, our, 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 our faith will not change a life just by better information than the next guy, right? And... And, and sadly, in this day and age, one of the, 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 in the politicizing of our faith, whether it's left, on the left, or on the right, a lot of times when we align with partisan politics, we think that, that because 
uh, we have better information that we're better people. And we think we've got, our side is right, and the church isn't called to be on a side. And so even in the very uh, ways that, that we, we appear to have conviction, we actually are focused on content alone. As though Jesus were only an example to follow. As, as if this, this word that is breathed out by God weren't something that we were to breathe in as a life, but only to understand with our heads. C.S. Lewis has a famous, very famous passage. I've, I hope you've heard this passage before. I want to remind you of it this morning that Jesus is not merely a good teacher, that he's not just an example to follow. That, in fact, the, the early, in the early church, we weren't really called Christians. That We were called to follow the way. This was called the way. That following in Jesus' footsteps was to follow the way. It wasn't about information. It was about a life that was breathed out and breathed back into us, even, even as, as God breathed life into the first man. That God is breathing new life into us through his word. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. But I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the foolish thing. To think that he's a great moral teacher, but not God in human flesh. He says, that's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. A man who was merely a man and said what Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He is not left that option open to us. Jesus is the Word made flesh. John chapter 1. Or was that 2nd John or 3rd John? <laughs> and so we think... I'm going to follow Jesus as a good example, as a great moral teacher, because the content of the faith is so inspiring rather than thinking that it is inspired. And what we, what we tend to do when we think that way is we're thinking pre-Reformation thoughts. We're thinking that our, our human condition is just something to be managed with better information. Now, what I just said there is something that cycles and cycles and cycles. It's the idea that, that, that we're, not, we're not really dealing with 
human brokenness. It, it's, it's the idea that uh, well, Jesus did a lot. He did a lot for me on the cross to help me improve what's already here. No. The gospel is not a gospel, as Dallas Willard said, it's not a gospel of sin management. And see, that's what, that's what the church had reduced the message of the gospel to before the Reformation. 1200, 1300, and 1400s. Jesus was, was, was sort of this, this decoration on the top of the church. That he did a lot to help us and he's, he's sort of our in, in, inspiration in a very human way. Just like a lot of all the other saints. That he's sort of a forerunner in the faith that helps us manage. And so what we end up doing is we take the content of the gospel, we take the content of, of what Jesus teaches... And we skip a step and we, we go right to from head to hands. And we think, okay, I understand it. Now I'm going to go apply it. That's a crucial, pivotal mistake. To go right from head to hands and skip the heart. A pivotal mistake. And, it, and we recycle this problem, this trend, again and again and again. And it is the very trend of today, to think that the human condition can get better with better information, that just as, as we can improve upon the iPhone year to year to year, we can improve upon the human condition just by trying harder, applying ourselves more, taking better information and putting it right to our hands. It makes us the captain of our ship. William Henley wrote a poem about that called Invictus. He said, I am, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't that look like Eve in the garden standing over what God said, what the evil one said? Doesn't it look like Adam and Eve's original problem, and that is that we're the authority in our own lives. We're our own captain. What, uh, what Paul's saying to Timothy here is that there's a wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes. Uh, verse 15, And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. Wise. This is not about information. It's not even just about information applied. You know, someone said that good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment, <laughs> right? We need to be broken. We can't just have good content. We need to have conviction. How do we have conviction? How does... How does the content of the faith, make it from head into heart. Until your human condition, as outlined by these scriptures, until your need breaks your heart, you'll never break your habits. That habit that you have, 
that pattern in your life that continues and you think, where's the power over that? Until your need breaks your heart, you will never break the habit. See, it's, it's a broken heart that leaves a crack for the gospel to get in. It's a broken heart that leaves the crack for the gospel to get in. We have to have what God breathes out, breathed into us. Not just to have some sort of human champion, not just to have someone who does a lot for us, but really to be broken, to know that Jesus paid it all. In, in the list of things that, that, that Paul says Scripture is good for, one of them is reproof. Now, that's not a word we're really familiar with, and so let me put a different word on it. The, the word here is conviction. Conviction. What's conviction? It's a, it's a deeply held gut level, heart level gut punch is what it is. It's, it's the sense that at the core of, of who you are, you know it's true. It's, 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 it's what David experiences as he describes in Psalm 51. He says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. David betrayed his wife, David betrayed his position. David, David was selfish. You, you know the story of David and Bathsheba, and Psalm 51 is, is his re- repentance psalm. And in the middle of that psalm, he says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now, just put yourself there for a minute. How can someone feel so good about feeling so bad? (laughs) Right? Unless, unless there's something revolutionary going on. Unless he's handing over the wheel and has found his true captain. Reproof is the conviction that your need is met by a voice, by an authority outside of you. It's a personalizing of the content, you see? The content makes the connection through conviction. It's not head, it's, it's a heart knowledge. And it is brokenness that helps us make the connection, that lets God breathe new life into us. That's why when you hear someone give their testimony and you don't, you don't hear repentance or you don't hear brokenness, then, then, then this is someone who has a life improvement plan with better content rather than the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, when our habits are not going to change until the heart changes. Until the gospel breaks your heart, you're not going to break your habit. 
And, you know, I know if you, if you, if you kind of think about this and apply it to, to, to today and understand how the church is so sliced up into so many different demographics, and, and one of them is, is just sort of trying to, to, sheep, uh, to, to divide the sheep from the goats. And, and this church thinks they, they have it better than that one, and that one thinks they have it better than this one, and the world is wondering, you know, is this a place that's safe and welcome for me? Is this a place that, that really, uh, that, that where I'm going to feel welcome? Well, remember this. Listen really closely. The gospel does not oppose anyone with sin. It only opposes people who think they're without. That's it. The gospel doesn't oppose people who are broken. It simply opposes people who think they're not. Jesus said, he said it with a twinkle in his eye. He said, it's just the sick who need a physician. And what Paul is saying here is that this isn't just content, that the word of God has, it speaks with a certain kind of captain of the ship authority. And it's not going to have that kind of authority until it convicts you of your need. And so, and so it's good for reproof. And we need that captain. We need the content too. We need the content. We need the conviction. And we need the captain. See, what was happening during the Reformation is that, that Luther had recognized that there were some people who had taken the authority from the word of God and from the spirit of God working on his people through the word of God. It's breathed out and it's breathed in unless we make an idol of the church, unless we think, you know what, the church is going to go down with the ship unless we do something to make it more authoritative, right? Unless we, we think of the church as sort of helping the state to keep everybody in order. And, you know, Marx called religion the opiate of the masses, and he was right. If, if our faith, if our beliefs are merely a religion, a set of rules to follow, then we're just, we've just adopted some sort of Christianized coping mechanism, the opiate of the masses. And that's what the church had reduced beliefs to, not conviction, but just simply content. The, 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 the church's authority had taken the authority from the scriptures and put it on the church, and Luther understood that. And Luther understood the problem of that. Let me, let, me, let me show you. Luther died for the conviction that the authority of the word alone was the place of the locus of authority, not on the church. He died for that conviction. Died for it. Why? Well, because he recognized something. Now, most of you, I hope all of you have seen the movie or read the books, the, the, the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, Right? And there's a scene where the, the, this ring, there's this ring that uh, has power, right? It's the ring of, a, of power. And, and you're trying, yeah, my, I, some, I heard somebody say, my precious, right? <laughs> precious. 
And he's offered the ring of power. Gandalf is. And you think, Gandalf, he's, he's really, really good, right? He should take that ring, and, and, and with his wisdom, he should take that ring, and he should take it to the mountain where he can cast it in to be destroyed, right? But he realizes something. It's a powerful scene where he says, don't offer it to me again. It's a, it's a hobbit who's offering him the ring, Frodo. He says, don't offer it to me again. He says, I would take it thinking that I would do good with it. I would take it, I would take the power. I would be king for a day, thinking that I would do some good with it, and I would end up destroying myself and you. And see, that's what Luther saw. The church had taken on the power rather than offering the authority of the word. How convicted are you that this is your authority? Let me ask you this. Let's, 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 let's put ourselves to the test as we close here, if you were FOB, flat on your back, something happened to you, and you're lying flat on your back in the, in the hospital, what psalm would you ruminate on? Would you sit there and worry about what's to come and what's next and what your prognosis was. Would you have a place in your mind to go that was a psalm? Do you have, a, do you have one of the psalms memorized? There are 150 of them. I know that because I looked it up right before I came up here. <laughs> keep milking that joke. Do you have a psalm memorized? Do you know this word? If, if somebody else called you and said, you know what, my world's falling apart, do you have a scripture that wouldn't insult them or patronize them? Do you have a scripture you say, you know what, I'm going to be praying this for you. If, if you're called on to, to pray over a meal, maybe it's a, a big gathering, do you have a go-to scripture or a scripture where you can say, you know what, I'm just going to pray through this scripture? How my, Now, if you were to find your Bible, if you were to find your Bible, let me ask you that. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just, just saying, if you were to find your Bible and you were to, you know... <laughs> Um, read it. Would you know where to start? Our captain is not a book. The book speaks about a life, a life that can be breathed into you and to me. But your heart must be broken for the gospel to get in. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how we thank you that your word is not only meaningful but also powerful. And so we pray for that power that you bring a strong conviction of sin even to those of us who've been following that way and I pray for the one here this morning, Lord, who, who has been just sort of tinkering with the faith or maybe has simply been listening from the wings and wonders whether or not there's a true power here. Would you move? Move within our hearts, Lord, that we may see our need and make the strong connection to you, the captain of our ship, in Jesus' name.